Hello and welcome back to another Bible study session where we'll be decoding Daniel and revealing the book of Revelation. Alright, the last time we were in Daniel chapter 2 and we read about this very troubling, disturbing dream that Nebuchadnezzar the king had and Daniel came and he told him about this statue of metals, of different metals that he would have seen and what they would have represented. Well, today we're going to take a deeper look into this statue and how it has manifested itself in the world. Once again, it's a Bible study, so I invite you to go pause this, go get your Bibles, and then we'll begin. Okay, as usual, before we start, we have to invite the presence of God. So let us pray, Heavenly Father. We come to study your word. I pray, thou God, that you will give us wisdom and understanding in all the places that we desire it. In the name of Jesus. All right. Also, we're going to be going over back Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to be going from verse 31, where Daniel reveals to the king what the image is that he sees and what is the interpretation. And today's study is a bit different because we're going to be doing a Bible study as well as a bit of a history lesson because it all ties in, you know, Bible events are fulfilled and manifested in the world. So we need to look at what's going on in the world and tie it together with Bible prophecy. All right. So in Daniel chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 31, and it says, Thou, O king, sawest and beheld a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet parts of iron and of clay. Thou sawest still that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and buried them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the old earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the king the interpretation thereof. It says in verse seven, verse thirty-seven, that thou, o king, art the king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, that hand hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou, O king, art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another nation inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. 
but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone is cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. Okay, so even let's get into it now. Before I go any further, I just want to say that, you know, there's so many people that are afraid of reading prophecy books, trying to understand and decode prophecy books because, you know, they say, oh, it's so scary or it's too hard to understand. But everything that God has blessed us with is for our own benefit, is to help us to understand him better and to help us to be prepared for what is coming. Prophecy is not to scare us, but to prepare us. Okay, so we already went over back the image of the various metals. And as the Bible said, you know, Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar that the head of gold, which you saw, represents your kingdom. And all these other different metals, the silver, the brass, the iron, these all represent kingdoms that will come after thee. However, all the kingdoms that will come after thee, they will be inferior to your kingdom because your king are this head of gold. Well, we know that gold is one of the most precious metals and compared to silver, brass, and iron, gold stands at the top. All the others are inferior compared to it. So let's see. This is what the Bible says. And this vision, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, it wasn't just any dream, it was a prophecy. And it wasn't just any normal prophecy, but it was actually a blueprint for the future. God revealed a blueprint for the future to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream of things that would happen from the time of him, Nebuchadnezzar, until the time of Jesus. Okay, now let's see... Now we read that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of gold and there were several nations that were to come after it until we get to the stone that breaks the image in pieces. Now let's see what history has to say or how history confirms what the Bible is saying here. According to history, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon and he was the greatest king and at that time Babylon was the greatest empire there did not arise another empire or nation that was as great as it additionally Nebuchadnezzar reigned from the year Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom sorry lasted from approximately the year 605 to the year 539 BC after Nebuchadnezzar died four kings reigned on the throne, the last being his son, Belteshazzar. Following that, at the end of 539 BC, Darius I of the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon and reigned in his stead. The Medes and the Persians actually what is now known as modern-day Iran. And... So remember, the Medes and the Persians were two kingdoms, and they were not as strong and as powerful as the Babylons. You know, they had a lot of influence, they had a lot of control, a lot of power, but they were not as strong as 
the, the Babylon, sorry, yes, they were not as strong as Babylon. So after, so in 539 BC, King Darius of the Medes and the Persians conquers Babylon and begins his reign, and he reigns from 539 to 331 BC. In 331 BC, Alexander the Great conquers the Medes and the Persians and begins to reign. Now, Alexander's army, Alexander's kingdom, it was very small compared to the Medes and the Persians and even much smaller compared to Babylon. So you see, as we're going down, you know, the kingdoms are getting smaller and the power is diminishing as with the significance of the metals. So Alexander the Great reigned from 331 BC to the year 146 BC. In the year 146 BC, general under the leadership of General Titus, Rome conquers Greece and begins to reign. So this here is, so we read the fourth kingdom, yes. Rome conquers Greece in the year 146 BC and begins to reign. This period is known as the Roman-Greek period because even though Rome would have conquered Greece, they would have still, you know, had a lot of, it's like life continued as normal. There weren't any major changes except for who was reigning. However, it wasn't until, even though Rome conquered Greece in 146 BC, it wasn't until 31 BC that they officially took control when Augustus Caesar proclaimed himself as the first emperor of Rome. Rome ruled from 146 BC all the way up to 476 AD. That's a long time. But what happened in 476 AD? Well, according to the Bible and according to Nebuchadnezzar's image that he sees, the Bible says, so okay, we're now at defeat. It says he now sees the feet and its iron mingled with clay. Well, one of the interesting things about feet is that you have five toes on each feet. So that's a total of 10 toes in all. And one of the interesting things that occurs here is in 476 AD, the kingdom of Rome was successfully conquered by Germanic tribes who started rebelling against Rome around 380-ish. You see, Rome tried to control the tribes of Germany, but, you know, the people in Germany, you know, they didn't really appreciate what Rome was trying to do. So around the 300s, they started to rebel and, you know, started to make war with them. And around, and in 476 AD, they were successful. And these tribes, these Germanic tribes that Rome tried to control that were rebelling against them, they were, guess how many? Ten. Yes. So in 476, they fully conquered Rome, and the kingdom was never, these ten divided kingdoms, you know, they never united, they rebelled on their own. And the kingdom of Rome was never again united to this day. These ten kingdoms included the Anglo-Saxons, these ten, sorry, yeah, these 10 kingdoms or these 10 Germanic tribes, they included the Anglo-Saxons, many of which form what is now known as modern-day England, the Lombards, who many of which occupied Italy, the Franks, a lot of them are French. We have the Gepids, the Ostrogoths, the Marcomanni, 
the Alemanni, the Alans, the Burgundians, and the Vandals. Yes, so these 10 Germanic tribes successfully divided the Kingdom of Rome into 10 separate tribes. Now, some of these tribes were strong, and some of them were not so strong. Some of them were weak. And hence, you know, the Bible talks about, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it talks about, you know, iron mingling with clay, because you know that iron is strong and clay is very weak. Additionally, though these kingdoms, though the kingdom of Rome was divided and, you know, Rome was no more, the Roman influence was still very much present throughout these kingdoms. You know, they maintain a lot of their language and their religion as well. So you had iron mixing with clay there, weak and strong, weak and strong. And then what happens? Well, according to Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he said that he saw a stone that, you know, is just cut out from nowhere and it comes and smites the statue. Yes, the dream says that he sees a stone that is cut out without hands that comes and smites the feet of the statue and the whole thing's just the whole thing just breaks and crumbles into a million pieces and scatters all abroad and then the stone grows into a huge mountain. But before I talk about the stone, let me just back up a bit. So we read from the Bible that there would be four kingdoms. Now there would be four kingdoms started with the head of gold, then the silver, then the brass, and then the iron, and then there would be a division of ten. This is what the Bible says. And when we look at history, this is also what history says because we start with Babylon, and then we go to the Medes and the Persians, and then Greece, then Rome, and then the divided nations of Rome. So, and this is one of the reasons why I trust the Bible because a lot of things that everything that the Bible says. You know, I could see it in the world. And if you really want to know a true, if an account of history is true, check the Bible. If the Bible says so, well then, you could trust it 100%. However, if it doesn't, well then, okay, you can be a little skeptical. So the Bible is a history book as well. Yes, yeah, so we find in history that History confirms everything that the Bible would have said, and it also confirms that it also confirms the prophecy, the images, the visions that Nebuchadnezzar would have received. What a great God we serve! God gave the world the blueprint. He let us know what was going on, what was going to come. Okay, so now we're at the stone. Nebuchadnezzar says he sees the stone that smites the feet, shatters the image. And the stone grows into a great mountain. So what is this stone? What could this stone possibly be? Well, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42, Jesus describes himself as the stone that the builders refused. Additionally, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 8, he says, Upon this rock will I build my church. And so I think that we can... Um, what is that word? You know, I think based on that, we can conclude that the stone that is cut out without hands and smites the image and shatters it into a thousand pieces is none other than Jesus himself who comes 
to set up his kingdom or who comes to earth to set up his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it yes what a mouthful <laughs> okay so this I, and you know as we go further into the book of Daniel and we study a little more and then we get into Revelation you know we start to see how these things unfold and it actually becomes a lot simpler you see God wants us to understand these things so he makes every effort to make it simple for us to understand we only need to dedicate time and energy to studying the scriptures and they become really simple and really easy to understand so as of now we are living in the time of well we're past the divided nations of europe and the church of jesus is also is already set up so i say we're at the time i say we're living at the time where the stone has smitten the feet and christ has set up his church because we know christ has set up his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so thank god for the bible and thank god for prophecy and thank God for wisdom and understanding. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this was an informative session. If you have any questions, be free to send me to send in a voice message. I'm more than happy to hear and more than happy to answer. Well, tomorrow, sorry, next session, we're going to be going through Daniel chapter 3. So I encourage you to read ahead and be blessed.